pray. Abba Father, as we once again listen to this familiar story of your birth, we pray, Father, that you will speak to us again afresh, anew, and that you will teach us, Lord, what it truly means to embrace Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> what does the word embrace means? Now, if we are to look up in the dictionary, what would that word mean? Now, dictionary.com is uh, somewhere that I always go to. Dictionary.com gives us several explanations, but I would like to just highlight two. The first explanation is to hug. To embrace means to hug. And that's what some of us did this morning, right? When you came in, did you at least hug one friend to wish them blessed Christmas? Anybody? Yes or no? Hello? Yes. Do you want to hug someone now? Wish them blessed Christmas? No. It's okay. You can go ahead. All right. I saw that. Okay. That's explanation number one. Okay. It means to hug. When you embrace someone, you show, uh, you show it by giving them a hug. The, and some of us, yeah, some of us also send this. Virtual hugs through, you know, WhatsApp or through Facebook, you know, you, we send this. Explanation number two is that is to embrace means to take or receive gladly or eagerly and willingly. So when we embrace someone or something, we do it gladly, we do it eagerly, and we do it willingly. But friends... What does it really mean to embrace? What does it really mean to embrace Jesus? Today, this morning, I have chosen two portions of Scripture that I believe will teach us something about embracing Jesus. The first portion of Scripture is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, and the second portion of Scripture is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In the first portion, or rather the first passage, we are introduced to Mary. Now, who is this Mary? If you look at verses 26 to 27, it says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So here, we are given two pieces of information about Mary. Firstly, she's a virgin. And secondly, she is pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, quite some time ago, I actually watched a movie, and in the movie, a question was posted to a man. And the question was, what are you going to do with your life? That was the question. And to that question, this man actually gave a super-duper long answer. And he goes something like that. I need to take a deep breath. 
and I need to say it fast. Okay, so this is the answer in the movie. It goes like this. I am 26 years old now. I earn $2,000 a month. Now I will look for a bride who earns $1,500 and I will get married to her. Then at the age of 30, I will have a son. When I reach the age of 55, my son would have reached the age of 25 and he would have graduated. Then I'll find him a government job and look for a bride for him. At the age of 60, I will buy a house with my retirement fund and live happily ever after. Now, how many of us have planned like that? You see, we may not have made plans all the way to our retirement, but I am sure we are familiar with making plans for our lives. Am I right? No, we at least would have a rough idea as to where we are heading in terms of our family life and in terms of our career. Now, in the same manner, Mary had her life story crafted out for her. Like all other Jewish girls, she had this roadmap for her life nicely laid out. She, you know, she's, she's pledged to be married to Joseph, you know, and she, she would probably have envisioned how her life was going to be, you know, getting married, settling into marriage, and having children. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she receives this greeting. Verse 28. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, friends, if someone comes to us and says to us, you know, you who are highly favored, you know, if someone comes to Rana and says, my brother, you are highly favored, the Lord be with you, how would you feel? Panic. Panic. He would feel panic. How about you all? How would you all feel? Heaven is like, wow, like that. I didn't say God, you know, I said someone. I said someone, all right? But here, you know, you know, we, we, we want God's blessings in our lives. We want God's favor upon our lives. And that's what the word favor actually means, God's blessings, and God's blessing was coming upon Mary. But instead of being happy or joyful, Mary was troubled. And that's what he says in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, we must understand that Mary was not troubled by the presence of the angel. She was troubled by what was said to her. What could it mean when the angel said, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you? And you will know the angel, you know, as, we, as you read, you know, the angel goes on and tells Mary, you know, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his father's father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, friends, if you imagine that, you know, if we are married, you know, you know, we have our life nicely laid out for us. You know, you know, Mary had her life nicely laid out. You know, she's she's engaged. You know, her life with this man is about to begin. And suddenly she receives this greeting. And not only does she receive this greeting, and then she has been presented with this call to carry this child in her womb. He is no ordinary child, for scripture tells us that the child will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He is the child that will reign and rule, and his kingdom will never end. Now, Mary's response is, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, if we ponder, if we ponder on Mary's response, we will realize, you know, as, as I pondered on this, you know, I realized, you know, there is no reluctance in this response. Mary's response was not, was not, how can this be? I'm going to get married already, you know? No. Mary's response was not, hey, perhaps you go find someone else. I'm engaged already, you know? No. Her response was, how will this be since I am a virgin? In her response, she questioned the possibility of it, but she wasn't refusing it. And so the angel, in response back to her, was dealing with the possibility of it, and he was not dealing with her reluctance. If you look at the answer, this is what the answer then uh, the angel then explains to her: the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he goes on to say, for nothing is impossible with God. You know, the angel spells out very clearly to her that this is what that's going to happen. And her final response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You know, my dear friends, if we look at this, right, in a sense, Mary was the first person to embrace the coming of Jesus before anyone else embraced him. You know, Mary had to risk her entire life in order to embrace Jesus into her womb. Now, if we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, you know, it says there in Matthew chapter 1 that when Mary was found to be with child before they came together, he, referring to Joseph, he had in mind to divorce her. That's what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, there goes her 
nicely laid out plan. So what exactly does embracing Jesus meant for Mary? It meant that she had to change her entire life, her entire life plan that was nicely crafted out for her. Mary made room for Jesus, not just in her womb, but also in her life. You know, friends, Christmas is the season that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. You know, when we celebrate someone's birthday, right? When we celebrate the birthdays of our friends or our colleagues or our family, we make the birthday boy or the birthday girl the center of our attention. We make plans how to throw surprise parties for them. Do you all do that? We make plans how to trick them. You know, I also know of people who will go at great length just to scheme the birthday boy or the birthday girl. And all this happens for just that one day of that particular year. And after that, everything is back to normal. We get back to work and life goes on until Facebook reminds us again of the person's birthday. Friends, let us not do that with Jesus. Let us not just celebrate the birth of Jesus today, 25th December year 2018. Let us celebrate Jesus every day, in every moment. And let us consciously make Jesus the center of our lives every day, not just today. Let us make every effort to make room in our lives for Jesus. You know, our Lord Jesus is not distant from us. He is with us and he is in us. And let us make every effort to involve Jesus in our lives, not just on Christmas Day, but every day of our lives. Let us learn to make room in our lives for Jesus. And that way, we embrace Jesus into our lives. Make room. Moving on to the second passage, we look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Here in this passage, we find that there is no room, no room for Jesus to be born. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and I'll just read it again for us. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while, yeah, that word was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and uh, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there were no room for them in the inn. So the point of this passage is that there is no room for Jesus. No room in the inn. Every room in every inn in Bethlehem is full. No place. 
is full because everyone is in town. They are there to register because of the census that has been issued. People from everywhere who belong to the town of Bethlehem all returned because they had this registration to do, and therefore Bethlehem would have been super crowded. Perhaps like P9 during Christmas and Chinese New Year. Everybody comes back. No room. But it was crucial for them to have a place because the text tells us that while they were there, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Now, can you imagine the urgency of the situation? I think those of, uh, those of you, not us, uh, those of you who are parents, because I'm not a parent, so those of you who are parents here would slightly be able to identify with such urgencies. You know, you just imagine, imagine Joseph going to every inn, knocking on every door, and every time he knocks, he's being turned down again and again. And finally, Mar Joseph and Mary had no choice. They found a, a place, right? And they settled in with it. And in that place, crowded with animals and filled with their smell and noise, the Son of God was born. You know, Jesus was born in a stable simply because there was no room for him. Now, how about us? Do we have room for Jesus? Are we willing to embrace Jesus just like how Joseph and Mary embraced Jesus? You know, and this is a question that only we can answer for ourselves. Because embracing Jesus would mean that there should be a change in our lives. You know, Mary's life was changed when she embraced Jesus into her life. And so was Joseph. You know, although he had in mind to divorce Mary, but after having this conversation and this encounter with the angel, Joseph changes his life in order to embrace this child. Both their lives were changed. Now, if we are to ask ourselves the question, how can I or how can we make room for Jesus, what would our answer be? Have we ever thought about the question or even asked ourselves that question? You know, one of the ways that we can make room for Jesus and embrace him into our lives is by making Jesus the center of our lives. You know, you give Jesus that place of importance in our lives and in our families. And we can begin doing this by considering Jesus in all our decision makings. You know, decision makings are something that happens to us all the time. In fact, we make decisions every day. We make small decisions and we make big decisions. And whatever we make, and whenever, okay, whenever we make a decision, whether it is small or whether it is big, we would always consider the people who are very much part of our lives. Do you all agree? Would you all do that? One example is a simple decision of whether to go on a vacation or not. Let's take that for an example. You want to decide to go for a, 
uh, for a holiday, all right, and you would definitely consider all family members. You would consider whether the place that you're going to choose, whether it's going to be suitable for children. You wouldn't want to go to a place where it's not suitable for your children. And you wouldn't want to go to a place which is not suitable for your parents, for example. So you would consider, consider your loved ones when you make this decision. And dates, right? Dates for holidays is very hard to set on, you know. Sometimes mommy cannot, and then after the daddy cannot this date. You know, then grandmother cannot this date. Then how? When to go for holiday? Dates. So when, when we make such decisions in our lives or for our family, we would consider all this simply because all these persons are important in our lives. In the same way, my dear friends, when we make decisions, let us learn to consider Jesus in all that we choose to embark on. You know, you need to ask, we need to ask ourselves this question. Now, if I choose to go down this path, whatever that may be, if I choose to go down this path, will this path hinder my relationship with Jesus? Or will it enhance my relationship with Jesus? There's only, there can only be two ways. It either hinders or it enhances. And friends, always choose. Always choose ways that will enhance our relationship with Jesus. Do not engage in activities, however harmless it may appear, if it hinders our relationship with Jesus. If that activity, whatever it may be, if that activity dampens our relationship with Jesus, then I suggest we drop it. Drop it. That way, we embrace Jesus into the center of our lives. Secondly, we embrace Jesus into our lives by committing to him. And what does it mean to commit to a person? When we say that we are committed to one another, what does it mean or rather what does it involve? You know, parents, parents, when you say that you are committed to your children, what does it mean? What does it involve? It would mean that you make sure that you make time with them. It would mean that you cancel some of your other activities so that you can be with them in their crucial growing up years. Cancel activities. If we say that we are committed to our children, then we make sure that we craft out time so that we can be with them. Now, when we say that we are committed to Jesus, it would also mean that we make time to be with Jesus. You know, don't try to find time because we will never be able to find time. You know, Dallas Willett says that, you know, we cannot find time, but we can make time. Let us commit to making time for Jesus this Christmas.
You know that, that, that verse in Revelation, Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Friends, Jesus wants to eat with us. He wants to have communion, in another word. You know, in another, he wants to build a relationship with us. And he, he's not just dropping by for a visit. He's not dropping by for a visit. He wants to come in and spend extended time with us. And may we make room for that to take place in our lives. Let us all just takes a moment to be still with Jesus. You know, this Christmas is a good time to clear away all that prevents us from making room for Jesus. And let us honor Jesus this Christmas by giving him his rightful place in our hearts. And I invite us to just take a moment to do that and after which I will close in prayer. Abba Father, we pray for your grace in our lives. Help us, Lord, to make room in our lives for you. Help us, Lord, to make changes in our lives so that we can truly embrace Jesus in our hearts. And teach us, Lord, anew what it truly means to be committed to Jesus. May today be a day where we commit ourselves to you and we ask, Lord, for your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.